Hey, Frontline Gaming fans, we're hosting periodic episodes of the Killzone podcast, just like this one, right here on the Frontline Gaming Network. But odds are you're missing out on a lot of great content that's actually hosted on our main podcast feed. There's new episodes every other week that you could be listening to, so come on over. The link is in the description. You've entered the Kill Zone. The Kill Zone. Frontline Gaming presents the Kill Zone Podcast. Real talk for competitive Kill Team 40K tactics, tactics. Strategy. strategy, and news you need to know from some of today's top players. Tune in every other week for brand new episodes of the Kill Zone Podcast. Like Andrew just said, you have entered the Kill Zone. Welcome back to returning listeners and those of you new to the podcast that promises real talk for competitive kill team. This is Chris, otherwise known as Beer and as always, I'm joined by Emmanuel Mitsunikos from Strategic Advantage on YouTube. We've got a great episode coming up. We're going back to the dark with today's episode. The next kill team box is here, and there's two new teams coming with it. Chris and I are going to break down the Necrons and Kastrakin Guard teams. As usual, this isn't just a list of ingredients, we're giving you the bread. What do you need to know to get started with these teams from a competitive angle? Stick around and find out. I am so hyped for these Necron sandwiches in today's episode. So stay tuned, because all that and more is coming your way after we pay some bills with these messages. And there we go. What the heck is that? Uh, it looks like a bunch of microwaves nailed together, and it's glowing. Oh, it's a Gellerfield device. At least I think it is. Well... I believe it is, so that's probably why it's working. Oh, wait, wait, why? Well, Mooney the monkey spooked me last time with a box of severed orc bits. Plus, I am so engrossed in this Freebooters conversion kit from Pop Goes a Monkey, I do not want any other hobby distractions for the rest of the month. Oh, do you mean the Brew Guzzler's Buccaneers conversion kit? The one that converts the Monopose orc boys into Commando's Freebooters-themed kill team? Yep, that's the one. You know me, and I want to run a unique-looking kill team, so anything Monopose has to get its unique flair. That's where Pop Goes the Monkey comes in. The Brew Guzzler's Buccaneers kit not only lets you get some Freebooters flavor for your Orc boys, but it can convert them into an entire Commandos kill team, specialists and all. The Monkey also has separate listings for just the weapons or just the heads, if it's not the entire kit that you're interested in. And on top of that, the monkeys jumped the shark by also putting together a Hogan's Heroes-themed kit named Porkins Heroes, with the same exact treatment and similar smaller kits if you're just interested in the heads or the bits. No kidding, that's awesome. I especially like the unique Bomb Squig and Commando Grats, which come included in the full kit. Uh, you'll need those to round out the Commando's team of specialists, so Pop Goes the Monkey included them as full miniatures in each of those kits. Make sure you get stuck in with these kits soon. For the month of Orktober, all of these kits are going to be on a big discount, so you can get to bashing together an Orky team for the Morkiest month of the year. Yep, so head on over to popgoesthemonkey.com and check out the Brew Guzzlers Buccaneers kit, the Horkans Heroes kit, and all the smaller breakout kits associated with them. You can find a link directly to those kits in the description, as well as to the Warp Coven Rubric Marine Sorcerer Upgrade Kit. And also check out the really neat special limited edition model on popgoesamonkey.com, the great orc brewmaster Swill Agams, available through the end of the year to celebrate Orktoberfest 2022. Link to this is also in the description. 
Thanks again for sponsoring the podcast, Monkey. So we are back. We've got an interesting episode today where another Into the Dark uh, type box is out. We get to explore more of this, sh uh, the Gallo Dark, it's called. Uh, we're, we're, we're in Space Hulk mode. Yes, we certainly are. Um, and I am in Freebooters mode. Uh, I am so enamored with the uh, with the kit from Pop Goes the Monkey. I have I I built the entire kit I think within a day, um, which it does take a little bit of green stuff work um, just for a couple of the joints just to get everything sitting nice and flush and easy. Um, best tip I can give is make your green stuff wait about 30 minutes so it's not as tacky and roll them up into a ball and put them into the joints and tiny little balls on the wrists and use those to kind of press fit everything together. And I use these little um, silicone sculpting brushes. I just got them on Amazon. They weren't too expensive. It was a kit of 10. There's only one of them I use. <laughs> it's a chisel oh, kind cool. of looking one. Um, almost like, um, I don't know. There's a special name to this type of uh, shape. I don't know what it is, but um, it really helps me with just some water on the silicone to really smooth out and blend everything to the point that all the joints were seamless. It took maybe um, five extra minutes per model to kind of get all the green stuff together. I mixed a big batch together after everything was already prepped. Um, all the resin was cleaned and I just kind of boop, 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 pooped everything together and um, had them all primed on uh, day one of October. I was pretty excited for that. And uh, uh, if you're following my Instagram, you'll all already have seen my um, the uh, the captain himself, uh, the Gorgrok Brew Guzla. I remember, is that what I named him? That's what I named him, yes. Uh, Gorgrok Brew Guzla. He's already on the Instagram. You should also see other guys on there. I'm trickling them out as I get them done. I, you know, I normally batch paint, but I was so amped to try and like show these models that I didn't want to show them all as work in progresses for the entire month. And then bam, at the end of the month, um, all of them complete. So I'm, I'm shifting my normal routine a little bit and spending... Um, I did, it's so hard not to batch paint when you're used to it. Like all the pants, all the shirts, all the boots, all the teeth, like all that kind of stuff. So anytime I have some extra uh, paint on the palette, I was like, yeah, I guess I'll just do some extra pants over here. So I end up like 80% painting everything as I'm going through, but I'm forcing myself to stick to um, a final model and finish one, at least get one done every couple days to completion. So that way I can kind of trickle the models out, but uh, it's been really fun. And I, I got to hand it to Pop Goes the Monkey. Like, it it bears no resemblance to the Monopose Orc Boys kit anymore. Like, That's I look awesome. at them, and I look at the box, because I kept the box there, because I wanted to see how everything looked like afterwards. And it looks like a completely unique kit with these bits. It's just enough unique flair and just enough personality that they look completely different, which blew my mind. I thought they were just going to look like Priority Monopose Orc Boys, I'm going to be honest with you. But then once I assembled everything and put it all together, I was like, wow, this this looks like something straight from GW. I was I was whoa, so in love with that. Yeah, I, um, I'm in a weird place right now because I was so hyped for these Breachers. And uh -huh. now seeing these Necrons, I'm just like, <laughs> oh my God. Like these poor guys, you know, um, like the joke I have in my head right now is that I, I think the Necrons are going to go first because it's like all these Breacher details that need to be done times mm -hmm. 19 or mm -hmm. like 10 just, you know, rattle can primed and basically kind of their Necrons. Uh, it's like who gets to see the table first, you know, we'll, right. we'll have to 
take some bets on that. But I yeah. end up, I might end up getting a second box of these. Uh, depending on what you tell me to to, to do with the Casterkin, um, you know, maybe uh, through our other sponsor, uh, Frontline Gaming, you know, I can get a second box. Uh, I think I'm going to start naming you good old two box beer, Ned. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. It's always, it's, there's always a uh, distraction. It's, it's like that ADD meme or whatever, right? Uh, I think it was Homer or something like that. The Simpsons, one of those where it's like, uh, he's talking about something, Ooh, look, a butterfly or whatever. And then, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's just totally off, off track and tangent. So yeah, that's me and my hobby. Uh, goals. Yeah. The, the cartoon reference that goes through my game, whenever I hit that hobby ADD is the, um, I think it's from family guy with Peter Griffin, where there's like a trail of maybe it's a Peter. It was Adam West. It was in Family Guy, but it was Adam West, where they left a trail of Reese's Pieces, I think. And he keeps going, ooh, piece of candy. Ooh, piece of candy. Ooh, piece yeah. of candy. He's, that, that's what goes through my head in a loop whenever I see a new kit that comes out. And I'm like, I'm looking at my painting table with a half-finished kill team and, ooh, piece yeah. of kit. Ooh, piece of plastic. Yeah. GW knows what they're doing, man. Um, uh-huh. it, it's, uh, they, they've, got it, they've got at least me figured out. So, uh, but yeah, thankfully, not a lot of people know this, but we are, um, we are, uh, sponsored by Frontline. So they always, you know, hook me up and I guess, you know, Hey, if you're listening, they can hook you up too. go, uh, check them mm-hmm. out. There'll be a link down below and, uh, maybe you can get some, uh, assistance with your hobby ADD for a little bit cheaper or something, yes. right? Uh, Absolutely. You know, have it not be quite so painful. Uh, yeah. How's your, uh, into the dark terrain coming along? It's not. It's not coming <laughs> along. That's how it's coming along. Um, it's still right here, as you can see. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I've just been so much more interested in the teams. And I didn't yeah. know. The thing is, is that um, I didn't know it was going to be taking off quite as much as it is. Like, everybody's playing on this right now. So yeah, that's, yeah. That's the thing is now I feel like, okay, I need to actually get my board set up and and Absolutely. be able to contribute if somebody has like a local RTT and says, Hey, we need a couple more boards, folks. I can show up and, mm-hmm. and try to help out with that. So, yeah. you know, well, well, what's interesting is that um, a few folks out there have been playing on the arena boards of last edition and they've been mm-hmm. saying it works actually pretty darn well. And I know there was a, I think there was an RTT recently um, in Spain and they use into the dark boards, but they also use arena boards just cause you know, mm. So soon after the release, they wanted to play right. uh, close quarters thing. You, you don't, there's only so much um, terrain you can hobby and build up, right? Especially with yeah. all the filing and sanding. Um, and that's been actually working pretty well. So um, I, I did a little bit of a sad hammering on an RAM board just to see how that felt. And it felt pretty good. And the reason for that is that I think I might have a failed experiment with color shift paint. The color that I chose um, on all the promotional photos... Uh, like when you go on the Turbo Dork website, it goes from a blue to a purple to a red. So in my mind, with all these various high points, low points, all that kind of stuff with the um, with the um, Into the Dark set, I figured just an airbrush of the entire set, even ignoring the doors for now, just to give it a little bit of character, like you'd look at it mm-hmm. and it would just dance in your face, right? I was assuming right. all the colors would just be like, woo ethereal i don't know what i expected from the color shifting clearly more than i thought and especially because this color shift paint the base is such a dark color and the high Mm. points are only sporadic at certain points it almost looks black like it's just primed black and nothing different 
And it was so disappointing. And that was after like three coats. And I, I did a gloss varnish uh, or a gloss, um, a gloss base coat. I use just, um, Rust-Oleum gloss black because it tends to be more vibrant on a gloss than because yeah. that's what it was designed for. And I did like that. I, like, I, I followed everything. I did it through the airbrush, everything. And it just wasn't bouncing as much. So I'm going to give it another couple coats. I'm going to see what that is. But I might have to abort this color mm-hmm. for a different Turbo Dork because when you set up a couple pieces at angles, they do have a different kind of hue and they dance as you're kind of moving around the table but it's not as vibrant for each piece. So it looks very flat and boring on each piece. But if it had a little bit more of a Delta, like the 4D glasses, which goes from blue to green, and it's very bright, maybe something like that. I don't know. I'm going to have to see, but it's going to be a very experiment, uh, expensive endeavor of experiments to try different color shift paints until I find the one that uh, pops the most. Yeah, I, I wish you luck on that because when you told me that idea, it was just like, holy crap, like that's so cool. Like something that had just kind of come out of the warp and is still affected, you know, and mm-hmm. is is mm-hmm. uh, having issues with reality perhaps. Uh, that's just, mm-hmm. I don't know, anything kind of like Space Hulky really, really speaks to me in that way. I love the <laughs> the fluff of, of the Space Hulk stuff. So super yeah. cool. Well, speaking of Space Hulks, um, want to talk about these new teams? Yeah, I, that's... I'm, Okay, so for those of you guys listening, um, what we're doing is, once again, Emmanuel has taken a team, I've taken a team, we've kind of brewed some thoughts in isolation, you know, for what you can expect mm-hmm. from these uh, competitively, or even just tips to help you if you want to play these and, you know, how to do well with them. Um, and we're going to kind of teach each other these teams, uh, and you get to listen along and learn along with us. So mm-hmm. super exciting. Who's going first, though? That's, uh, that's I call thing. dibs this time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I went for his last think, time. You get, you get it. I think what we should do, the trend should be, cause it seems like there's always a loyalist team and someone else. I think loyalists mm-hmm. always go first because that's what uh, GW okay. seems to put ahead of everything else <laughs> anyway. Right. Um, fair, and don't fair. Forget, yeah. And um, needless to say, I am super excited about both of these teams. Um, if you skipped on the first into the dark box, I think this is a good one to go for if either of these sound interesting to you. Um, get all that terrain, um, new narrative terrain in there as well. Um, the one thing is that the terrain itself, I believe, is the same. Am, am I right? Is the same as the first Into, dark, into the Dark box, except for the narrative bonus terrain, correct? Yeah, I think there's one sprue different. Um, mm-hmm. I could be wrong on that, but I was looking at it and, and trying to compare a little bit, and it looked it looked like there was one sprue separate. I mm-hmm. what I'm going to do, hopefully soon, is maybe a video comparing or something yeah. like that. Uh, we could uh, do something like that, but it, it's like it looks like it would be assembled the same too, even if there's like oh this little thing sticking out is a little different mm-hmm. or something like mm-hmm. that. You know, there might be some things like that, little cosmetic shifts, but. And I wanted to pause before we talk about the teams and just talk about that, because I know that um, a lot of the community was expecting like each box is going to be a completely different themed spaceship, because that's what a Space Hulk is. It's different spaceships all all kissing, right? Um, Yeah. And I think Warcom even published something to that effect, that it could be exploring different areas and... Yeah, you'd explore different areas and each set would expand on the other one. So right. it seemed almost like, oh my goodness, like our Chalnoth is actually going to be another section of the Galadark. And while technically there is some new stuff in there, it's a lot of the same terrain. I want to, I, I'm 
obsessively positive, mm-hmm. <laughs> almost violently positive sometimes. Um, <laughs> and what I just a pos- <laughs> I'm Orky after all, right? Uh, <laughs> everything has an undertone of violence. But uh, I want to put a positive spin on this because I know a lot of people are going to be upset over the notions like, oh, I already bought this train. But a lot of people split boxes, right? Mm-hmm. Now yeah, here's an opportunity for free- Go ahead. I was just gonna say, even if they're not upset, it, it might just be like kind of surprised, right? Like, oh, you know, that uh, that they thought it was going to be something and it's this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and exactly, exactly. That's a that's a softer way to put it. Uh, <laughs> and the uh, <laughs> the the box itself has two teams. Most people like to split these boxes, right? If you split mm-hmm. the last box with your buddy, you split this box. Now you both have a set of terrain. The other right. idea is this terrain, there's a lot of TOs out there that are going to want to pick up this terrain, terrain because of how popular this has become, especially in the competitive scene. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it wouldn't be hard to offload the terrain. And then also GW has been very, um, very consistent with releasing individual boxes of the teams and the individual books pretty quickly within about a couple months, one to two months after these uh, teams come out. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's reasonable that if you're interested in one of these teams, you might still be really thick in the weeds of still painting your breachers or painting your crew. Right. Maybe, maybe take a minute, pause, uh, take a minute to sit right there and <laughs> wait for the... Uh, Wait for the individual box to come out too, because they're pretty consistent and quick about that as well. Um, I just wanted to put that little positive light around all that before we get talking about the teams. You know what I want to do? I want Uh to take both of the mats that you get, butt them up, and then make a massive Space Hulk board. Oh, that was my last point. Thank you for bringing that up. Yes. Okay. No, no, no. That's perfect. That's perfect. Because also we have rules in the annual for four player games and all that kind of stuff. And that was my last point. And I completely forgot about it. Thank you for saying that, Chris, because if you don't have anyone to share the the team with or no one wants to split the box with you and you have two sets of Galadark terrain, that would be awesome to set up exactly like you're saying um, a big, big, big uh, section of the Galadark for a four player game, narrative game, all that kind of stuff. I'm I'm super interested in trying that out. I think that would be really fun. Yeah, the other thing too is that there might be a secondhand market for just the boards. Um, with mm-hmm. the, from what I understand, the Horus Heresy players are very excited about this for potential. Um, what do they call it? Zone Mortalis games. Mm-hmm. Uh, that this mm-hmm. terrain is like uh, a godsend because that's kind of like boarding actions in the Horus Heresy. You know, smaller mm-hmm. point games, things like that. So it's like, man, if they can get a couple boxes of this, throw that together, I'm sure that they'll be very happy. And uh, there's probably going to be no issue selling this stuff. I would say. Yeah. That being said, let's talk about the Kaskins, right? Woo! Let's do it! Or the Kaskins, as this likes to remember them. Um, Yeah, my dyslexia always switches the S and the R, so I end up calling them the Karskins way too often than not. Yeah, I've heard it. So if I say Karskins, I apologize. Um, But finally, the much rumored, the much teased, the much anticipated kill team um, actually is officially. Yes, it is a kill team. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I would see in Discord speculation, like, look at the bases, look at the tiny rocks on the bases, <laughs> and like such an obsession with the base design and the all that, the basing scheme itself, I should say, 
proving or hinting heavily that it's coming. Uh, I would always chuckle when I would see that, but now we actually have proof. Um, yay, they told us they're coming. Um, now, a lot of people are going to be like groaning, groaning, groaning. Another guard team. But TLDR on this team, these are the intercession team for <laughs> the guard archetype. You have a lot of elite teams out there, right? And then Intercession came out and did it very well and did it very straightforward. So that way, if someone wants to play a guard team, they're not struggling with all the extra bells and whistles. They could just go in there and do their thing. Absolutely. I was almost kind of thinking of these as the Scion expansion, right? Like if Because a lot oh, of people yeah. were playing mono Scions, and this is kind of like, well, you can take those exact same models. It doesn't have to be the Kastrikans. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you can do the same thing, I think, and uh, yeah. probably have a lot of fun with it. Absolutely, absolutely. And and the thing about them, though, is that um, Scions can be a little complex with orders and auras and stuff like that. A lot of that's distilled away with these guys. So um, I, I'm going to be pretty brief with them, and I'm actually going to have enough time to go through all of their individual specialists. As you'll see, there's not that many. Um, okay. They can take Recon Security and Seek and Destroy. And great options, Ooh. especially for a 10-man awesome. team. Um, it's 10-man, as I said. You have one leader. Um, who can take all the standard sergeant equipment with a little bit of a caveat. We'll get there. And um, you have a bunch of specialists, but four of them are going to be a gunner of sorts. Okay. Mm. So you don't have that many specialists. Four of them are going to be a gunner. Then you have to take a normal trooper, I think. And then the other four are going to be your specialists. So that's kind of how it's divided up. Um Skipping ahead, once you once everyone gets the book, you're going to see this is going to be a little bit out of order of how I'm talking about it. But I always like talking about the gimmick before we talk about all the rest of this stuff, right? So their gimmick, no orders. It's a guard team without orders, right? But they have something called elite points. Think of these like faith points, but not unreasonable. Okay. <laughs> doesn't need a day one faq what right. okay they're a lot more straightforward so with faith points you need like a whole i almost said bible how appropriate for talking about novitiates uh you need a whole religious scripture to understand what all your faith points do where they come from all that kind of stuff not the case here you start off with 10 you have ways to kind of keep generating as you go um and every time you make a shooting attack or mailing attack mailing uh yeah you go to the post office and you mail an attack yeah. <laughs> i'd like to send Those this express to the heretics, we found who's behind it it's a manual <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh a shooting attack or a melee attack you can choose only one of the dice just one of the dice and you can apply elite points to it each mm. elite point you apply raises the value of that dice by one not just failed so if you rolled a five and you're like, I really needed a six, you could boop it up to a six with one elite points. If you oh rolled a God. one, but you needed a hit and you're hitting on fives because it's Overwatch, then you can spend four points to bump that one up to a five, right? Or so, plasma, right? You roll yeah. a one, change it to a two, save your guy. Absolutely. All, <laughs> skipping ahead. <laughs> but that's, oh, sorry, that, guys. That, that's I'm wrecking everything. Because... Because there's two plasmas on this team, a plasma Ooh. pistol and a plasma gunner. So okay. um, it, it you don't have orders and people's like, oh, no, no, take aim and all that kind of stuff. Well, you have elite points. So that way 
you can you can change those when they're when they're relevant. Um, I, I like this. I like this because it's just grab a d20, put it on the side, and that can easily help you calculate your uh, elite points or d12. That'll make more sense in a second. Um, and just keep a tally of those. And it's very simple dice modification. And I said this a lot in the past. Um, dice modification and dice fixing specifically is what entire archetypes in Star Wars Legion reset the clock. I think that's the longest the clock has been going before I ever said it. Um, entire army archetypes are built around dice fixing. And this team does it in a much less complicated way, in a much more reasonable way than Novitiates did it. And I think that's such a cool thing about them. So they they don't have orders. So you're not sitting there stressing, perseverating about auras and bouncing out the whole team and which order is the best one for this round, all that kind of stuff. But you can fix what you need to fix. So that's elite points. What do you think about those? I like it because, uh, I, okay, so it's it's giving some teeth to an expansion, but it's mm -hmm. so far not an expansion that... Um, the barrier to entry is just formidable, right? And that's something mm -hmm. I'm always concerned about is new players getting, you know, new blood in this game, finding the next hero that's going to come in here and just dominate, you know, just rode mm -hmm. in on the on the horse, you know, and, and <laughs> became a name overnight. Um, I, some of these teams, you look at Pathfinders and stuff, it's just unapproachable at first. It's like, right. no, no, start with regular pathies. This, but this sounds like something somebody can get started with and grow with. Yeah, and have a ton of fun in their first game too. Because awesome. rolling a bunch of twos and ones, no one likes that. But if you can mm -hmm. say, okay, well, this time it actually matters. Bleep, bleep, bleep. Um, I'm going to actually get one hit through. That that feels good. So there's yeah. there's also a lot of like positive player experience from that too. So that's their that's their unique party trick. So let's talk about their tack ops. One I'm not a fan of. Two are kind of win mores. Okay. Okay. So their first one, vital objective. Um, you could do this on any turning point except for the first. You basically point to an objective that you don't control and say, I want it. If you get it, you get a VP. If you do that in two rounds, you get your you get your full VP. Doing something you were going to do anyway, right? Um, you're choosing the objective, which I like. It's not one of those where your opponent selects the objective and they just put the one in their backcourt and they say, ha ha, come and get me. You will never get this. You will never get this. But... Um, <laughs> But it, it's you have the agency and it's doing something that's probably part of your plan. Clever that it's not on the first turning point because no one controls anything in the first turning point. You're probably going to get at least one objective. So you're probably always going to score it in the first turning point. So I'm glad that they restricted it from that because then it would just be too easy to get. It's a free VP. And as someone who hears a lot of hate for the two VP, two free VP from Interloper, um, yeah. free VP um, is something that no one likes to see on a team because... Yeah, anyway, I digress. Um, stand fast is their second one. This is another one more. You can do this at any turning point, so you could call this at the first turning point. Control two or more objective markers and more than your enemy uh, opponent, and you get a VP. Now, this tends to be what you need to do anyway in order to stay ahead on victory points. A lot of the missions are hold two, hold more than your enemy, that kind of stuff, right? So this already seems like part of the plan anyway, and this is what I mean by a win more. Both of these, like, I want to control objectives that I don't have, VP. I want to have more than my opponent, VP, right? So both of these are things that you're already planning to do. So they they seem like auto takes to me, right? And in a yeah. free choice meta, 
um, where a lot of the North American uh, tournaments are all free choice. Uh, that's something that you'll probably see a lot of both of these getting selected, right? The third yeah. one seems only very good for um, for um, elite opponents, okay? So it's called okay. Secure Zone. This is interesting. It's almost like you're putting a big fat objective where you want on the board and you're saying, okay, this is an important part of the board for me now. So you put this um, a token within two circle or four inch of an enemy. So it has to be close to an enemy within um, circle, uh, two circle. You have to control that with no enemies there. So basically you put it in somewhere where there's an enemy, you kill that enemy, and no other enemy can get to that spot by the end of the turning point, and then you get a VP, right? Okay. On a wide team, like if this is against Pathies, especially with all their movement shenanigans, that's a really big area. That's an eight-inch bubble, right? Where if someone dips their toe into it, they immediately cancel it for you. And they could rush in right at the end of the turning point, right? So against right. people like um, wide teams or teams with fly um, or teams with like a commando grot or the Geist skull where they could just zoom in from opposite ends of the spectrum and just kind of sit on that right at the end of the turning point, not that yeah. great. But if you're going up against an elite team and it's like you have long board deployment, so they're pretty spread out. It's reasonable to say, okay, well, I'm going to pour everything into this Marine who's off on his own on this side because that's where he has to be. And I know that I'm going to be able to score it, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't remember exactly. I don't have it written in my notes, but I think each turning point you can move where that secure zone is. I believe so. I don't remember. Okay. We'll be able to read it once everyone has the text. But yeah. in a nutshell, not my favorite one. The other two are much better. And with Recon Security and Seek and Destroy at their fingertips, it's hard to choose that one, the um, secure zone over any of those. What do you think Got about it. those tack ops? I like the first two better. The third one um, sounds like somebody who's dipping their toes, who's kind of more of a narrative player, but maybe uh -huh. wanting to start to build up you know, some competitive juice and and play through the weighted gi listening you know listing back mm -hmm. to an episode we had a while back uh that that sounds like something good for that uh mm -hmm. more than anything yeah tournament day lvo i probably wouldn't be taking that though yeah um and and you know that's fine because uh like you mentioned they have some great uh base stack ops it sounds like oh absolutely yeah, through the yeah. archetype so let's talk about some strap ploys Woo. so um elimination pattern Basically, they're hotshot weapons. They all have hotshot las guns, the, the basic one, uh, before they you get your specialists, um, which are basically bolter profile, but they hit on fours, except the sergeant on threes, just to give everyone a kind of preview of what all that's going to show. Um, the hotshot weapons gain P1 if the target's not in cover. Okay. More likely that you're going to get people out of cover on the Gallo Dark than on open boards super situational not a super big fan on spending a cp on p1 except when you think about points elite points yeah you can that's right you can shift <laughs> to getting a crit with an elite point to ensure the p1 so don't forget about their party trick in the context of all these which is why it's so important to know what they can do so a four spend two points to get a six that way, you're not only getting four damage, but you're also getting the P1 and pushing that damage through more likely, right? Mm -hmm. uh, safeguard, reroll once for saves if you yourself are in cover. So just a little bit of extra durability. Um, not great, not bad either. 
Clearance sweep. Now this is a really interesting mechanic. Oh, all these are one CP by the way. Clearance sweep. Um, you pace, place a token to create again an eight inch bubble, basically a two circle, four inch um, radius from this token. And it's a cylinder, okay? Normally we measure um, in 3D terrain, but it says horizontal distance. So the way I read that is that the horizontal distance is just a cylinder radiating upwards from this um, token, right? Okay. So you create this, not a bubble, but a cylinder that's um, eight inch diameter or four inch radius. And basically you get a free elite point to spend if you're making a shooting attack, just shooting, you're within that cylinder as well as your targets within that cylinder. So if there's a very clustered area of the board that you know you're going to want to be shooting from and you can kind of get that eight inch bubble is pretty big. As we're saying, that's a detriment to that tack op. It gives you a pretty wide area to get a free elite point. And if you could stack that up with a couple guys and because it's a cylinder, you can have people on vantage points shooting down um, as well as people on the ground floor, all that kind of stuff. Um, that That's that's something to um, consider on certain situational kind of positions. You place a token down. And then obviously, if you do it again, the next turning point, you move that token somewhere else, right? Something that can um, save your butt when it gets hairy. Mm -hmm. Sounds like, yeah. And the last uh, strat ploy is reposition. Now, reposition allows kind of a cluster of your guys to get a free dash on any turning point except the first. So it's the opposite of what I'm used to with commandos and okay. shush, where I get to do everyone um, essentially, as long as I set it up appropriately, everyone gets that dash. Um, it's just, um, you, you select a guy, as long as he's outside of a square or three inches from an enemy, and all of his allies, as long as they satisfy that criteria, and they're within three inches or a square of him, they could do a free dash. It's not like Into the Breach, where it has to be closer. It's not like the Corsairs one, I forget what it's called, where it has to be towards an objective, just wherever. So, you can have, like, an elite movement, uh, elite, um, elite subdivision of your team moving up on a flank and they kind of move in unison on the side. So um, that, that's kind of how I, I think of it kind of in the fluff. It's just like these guys are just getting a little bit of an advanced position, um, which is actually pretty neat, especially because it happens before um, the turning point starts. So you can, if you are out activating or if you can safely move some guys into a little bit of a hairy position to take some shots, you could duck them back behind cover or move them forward into other cover um, before the next turning point starts. So um, interesting way to reposition in the middle of the game, um, especially because you could do it beginning of turning point two. And that's usually where stuff gets really loud, but you okay. can actually be a little bit more risky end of turning point one, knowing that you can pull back before turning point two. So you could throw you guys out there a couple inches to get a shot out if you, cause you know, they can pull back. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, or you could be denying a charge, right? You'd go the opposite way. Like, uh-oh, yeah, they, exactly. they got in, they, they're set up, you just pull back. Kind of like the towel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Kind of like the towel. <laughs> Everything is fish people. Um, <laughs> so those are the strat ploys. Uh, ploys. Out of the strat ploys, um, I think Clear Sweep um, has play, but really needs to be orchestrated. You need a plan for it, I think. Yeah. So you need to see where the sweet spots are, the honey pots, as someone might say, and know where they're going to want to be. And you can almost use the clearance sweep. This is like that big bubble of um, extra elite points as a deterrent too. 
you might place it somewhere and they'll be like, ah, I'm not getting close to that. And that might be part of your plan. You might place it so that way it envelops maybe one or two objective markers. They don't feel comfortable getting on those objective markers knowing that you're going to get a free elite point on them. Um, now, tack ploys. Cover retreat is just falling back for one AP with more steps. Uh, <laughs> you have to be within <laughs> visibility of an ally within six inches, and then you can fall back for one AP. Based on how other things work with reposition, it seems like there might be a buddy system or a cluster system that might work well for these guys, just from their other synergy from uh, reposition. So cover retreat might be helpful. You can also plan for this if someone charged and passed you, which is a very common tactic for weak guardsmen, where they just throw someone at you, they charge and pass, so that way you can't shoot with your plasma gun. Well, your plasma gun hasn't gone yet. You can move someone up to see him, and then your next activation with your plasma gun, now he's within six inch range. So you can not you can plan for it, or it can be in response to someone doing a charge pass, preventing you from shooting with a big gun. You can get someone to look over, and it's almost like this guy rushes up, is like, I got your back. And right, uh, right. Yeah, kind of cool. Thing. Um, neutralized target. Now this has a lot of a lot of caveats to it. If your target is not ready, meaning they've already done their thing and they have an engage order, or they're not in cover, you gain relentless for your shooting attack. Ooh. So a lot of wow. caveats to it. Some of these caveats go away, much like the elimination pattern later on when we talk about their aspects thing. But um, neutralized target, the target has to have already gone, which we've seen in other things. Like you get bonuses right. for trying to do stuff to people who've already done things like the, um, like the bird boy from Corsairs. Um, mm -hmm. that way you're not nuking people who haven't had their chance to do their Johnny moment. Right. But, yeah. um, but it, it seems like there is a lot to trying to get that off, but it's not as bad as it sounds. I'm going to get to that later. Seize initiative is exactly what it sounds like. You can reroll your initiative roll. Nice. So if you need it, especially because turn two is so big. So, so, so big. It's why Pathfinders are so great with worthy cause. Like they can guarantee when they need initiative, they can do that shoobity boop first, right? Now, yeah, yeah. this isn't a guarantee. It's not like worthy cause, but if your opponent rolled a two and you rolled a two or a one and then they ended up getting initiative, there's a good chance, not guaranteed good, good chance you could get initiative if you had a reroll. One CP might be worth it. Yeah. Finally, for Kadia. Now, you must yell for Cadia. It's actually in the rules in the designer comments. No, it's not. But you must yell for Cadia when you use for Cadia. Um, gun butts get plus one, plus one. And the operative gains... Uh, so, not gun butts, not plural. It's a, a single operative gets plus one, plus one to their gun butt. And okay. they get a five up, feel no pain. Mm. Basically, it makes them punch like marine fists. It takes them three attacks, three, four, and they get a five up, feel no pain. Uh, there's not a lot of melee on this team. So this could give someone a little bit of a punch back that might surprise your appointment, uh, appointment, opponent, um, or might at least give you a little bit of an edge. So that way you can um, skew the math in your favor that your opponent wasn't planning for. Um, but yeah, you must yell for Kadia. Uh, it's kind of like wah. Kind of, yes. Any yes. tactic. I, I would yell wah because these would right. probably all be Grok Guard for me, but I digress. 
That should not come as a surprise. (laughs) No, I'm not surprised whatsoever. All right. So uh, let's blitz through the specialists. Their overall profile is standard three-circle movement, APL2, GA1. They have four-up saves, eight wounds on the sergeant, seven wounds on the rest of them. The standard equipment is hotshot las guns, three, four damage, hitting on four, sergeants on threes. Now the sergeant can take a pretty standard array of sergeant weapons. Like if I were to just, just quiz you, what can a scion sergeant take? You're going to say power weapon, chainsword, oh, las pistol. pistol, bolt pistol, plasma yeah. pistol, right? You're correct. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But here's the thing. A lot of people have been complaining that it's like, oh, you always take the plasma pistol. Oh, you always take the power weapon, obviously, right? Now we saw an intercession that if you took plasma pistol on your assault sergeant, you couldn't take the power weapon. They did it again here. There's They're putting some decisions and weighing the pros and cons. So if you take the plasma pistol, you have to take the chainsaw. Uh, you can't take a power weapon with it. And if you take the bolt pistol or, or hotshot las pistol, then you could take a power weapon. Now, I like the, the plasma pistol because these guys aren't charging into combat. And I feel that you're with the dashing shenanigans that you can do. You can try and stay out of combat, or you can position in a way that you can actually move into com- uh, into shoot with a plasma gun, someone who's about to charge you. Because if they're within charge range, you could probably get within six inches of them. And plasma is going to delete most things. And with elite points, you can make sure that that plasma deletes the charger. So because of that, I tend to lean a little bit towards plasma pistol. Also, plasma is cool. Big glowy, big glowy blue blobs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they have a medic, pretty standard medic ability. And can also heal for 2d3 wounds. Now, that's more than a normal medic heal. Is it? Or am I remembering incorrectly? What's your Pathfinder medic? Your Pathfinder, your Pathfinder medic doesn't... 2d3. Okay, so it's standard then. Oh, you know what I'm getting confused with? The um, the healing abilities on Marines, I think it's... Um, it's twice that, maybe? I don't know. Might be. Might be a d6 or something like that. Yeah. I'm not going to edit this out. I don't remember. I just, I just spent about yeah. three hours sleeping last night because of baby. So uh, we're not going to rely on my memory here. I this one is two d three wounds. Um, nothing, pretty straightforward. It's a medic that we all know, right? Um, there's a demo trooper, little different than demo troopers that we're used to, right? Only okay. a pistol and the mine and gun butt, right? So very exclusively a close range kind of threat. The mine is a melta mine and it does heckin' damage. Four slash two mortal wounds three. Two ups, four attacks, right? But it's only proximity. You can't place it within circle of anyone. And it goes off once an enemy gets within circle of it with a movement of any type, right? Okay. So So you can't throw it. Yes, correct. It's a zone control kind of thing. But you can't, like when I first was reading this, I was thinking, oh, you could just toss this right in front of a cluster of people. And once one of them moves, they all get hit. Not the case, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can't place it within range of anyone else. So that way it's like you throw a booby trap right under their feet. You can't do that. So it's more of a zone control. Um, you may or may not decide to take him because if he had a hotshot Laz, not the last pistol, you say, oh, why wouldn't you take him? Because it's either him or someone who doesn't have that special ability. So I could see the argument of not taking him. I really like zone control, and I really like how much damage that that does. So I probably would always take him. In addition, something I'm about to tell you about him is going to sound really familiar for you. He's got blast padding. It protects from blast, but they also articulate 
that it protects from damage from any source that radiates from like a position. So it protects from mines as well. So not just the blast. And you don't take damage from splash from alter from other targets. Oh, cool. Sound like someone's okay. void armor? Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, so he has that as well. Um there's a sharpshooter, basically a sniper, has a very standard sniper profile like we know in the vet guard. Um two ups, three slash three, mortar wound three, heavy silence. Also has a non-silent version to shoot with. And you have um the recon trooper. This is a basic trooper with extra abilities. So hotshot last gun, gun butt. But you can I do not know how to pronounce this. I'm just gonna butcher this. We're gonna go for it. Shooting from the hips. Reconnaitre. Reconnaitre. Okay. That thing, right? Basically, you get an extra scouting ability. You can double up. Um the for purposes. Would it be reconnoiter? I don't is know. Just, words is okay. words is hard. Words is hard. Words are hard. <laughs> Especially not American words, right? I don't think right. It's American words. Um, so if for a purpose of initiative, whatever you chose first is what decides your initiative. If you're both if you both have this ability, defender executes their their second scouting thing first. Um, okay. Now this is a thing I was gonna call back to for those two abilities. Auspects. Recon Trooper also has auspects. You select an enemy. Not visible. You just say, this dude right here. I hate this dude. He gets no cover. Or no, sorry. We all get no cover against them, right? Mm -hmm. But we know no cover is only for the purposes of retaining saves. So it doesn't eliminate their cover. But it says for specifically the, um, the neutralized target and an elimination pattern, those, the strat ploy and the um, attack, off, attack ploy that relied on your enemy not having cover, auspects mm -hmm. satisfies that requirement. So it explicitly states in the text. So remember when neutralized to gain relentless, they needed to have not already gone and have an engage order or have cover. Well, if they have cover, but they don't have an engage order, you can still gain all this kind of stuff, right? Okay. Um, okay. So it, it's, it's interesting. I, I think it's pretty interesting to to that. Oh, I forgot to say the sharpshooter also has a camo cloak. That's pretty big. That's pretty that darn big. That's pretty spicy. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty big. I forgot to say that All the sharpshooter right. has that. Um, Post grenade the, nerf. So, that's that's hard. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, then the last specialist trooper before we get to all the special weapons is the Vox trooper. District comms guy. Okay. Is it? Yeah. Basic guy with the comms ability. I love comms abilities. Three APL is great. Now, yeah. the downside is your compendium science. You can essentially get two comms buffs. There's only one comms buff in here. But hey, you get elite points. You're ahead already. <laughs> Don't ask okay. for too much. Um, so that's it for the specialists. Really, really straightforward. And that's why I said this is kind of akin to like the guard equivalent of intercession because there's aren't a, there aren't a ton of auras. There's essentially the um, the medic. And then your special abilities where you put down that um, that token so that way you get that um, free free elite point. But those are really the only R's. And R's, I feel, are the most challenging thing for newer players to kind of wrap their minds around. And also R's are going to be annoying AF in the uh, into the dark. Um, so now you don't have to worry about all those R's for there. So uh, that, that's why I say they're a little bit more straightforward. Now, special weapons. I mean, I'm also going to quiz you on this. What special weapons do they have? Flamer, Melta, Plasma. Hotshot Lasgun and Grenade Launcher, right? Hotshot Lasgun okay. is the one that I think is unique here. Um, now, in the I didn't say this before, but when you build your 
sergeant and nine operatives to your max 10, you can only have four gunners or three gunners and the sniper, the sharpshooter. Okay, so you can't take all gunners and you can't take um, the sharpshooter and four gunners. Okay, so that, I just need to call that out. Um, that's pretty much the entire team. So you're always going to have to take a regular guy, at least one, because if you max out all your specialists, you'll be left with one left. So you'll have to take a regular guy. My standard kind of all takers would probably be the sergeant, as I said before, with chainsword and plasma pistol, uh, medic demo, recon vox, um, plasma, hot drop volley, maybe the melta, depending on the map, depending on into the dark or open, um, grenade launcher, sharpshooter. Um, I might consider dropping the sharpshooter for the flamer and into the dark, that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, it's it's a really solid array of specialists and really straightforward and I think incredibly effective. Their equipment is okay. Um, they have an adrenaline shot, unlimited, one EP, ignore modifiers to APL and movement. So if you're going up against Warp Coven and you don't want to be mod your movement modified, or if you're worried you're going to be injured, or if you're worried you're going to go up against a lot of stun, it might be worth putting a bunch of adrenaline on your guys. Yeah. Four grip, one EP. Interesting and into the dark because it ignores modifiers for overwatch so guard action shooting is overwatch if someone has a foregrip then they ignore the modifier only for las guns though when i read it i was like oh my god foregrip on a plasma no only las guns okay. um but at least keeps those las guns a little bit more effective right um especially if you're just going to be doing a bunch of guard actions with them right long range scope um, I think you could put it on las guns as well, but you can also put it on the sniper. If your target is more than six inches or pentagon from you, um, you if you crit, you gain no cover. Okay. It's two EP, I believe. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Here's a funny thing. You ready for this? Decoy grenade. Okay. This Tell is weird. This. Two EP. You could take a ton of these, just like your photon thing, because it's not an indirect kind of thing. It doesn't do damage. It's essentially a 50% chance or worse that you disallow guard actions in Overwatch. Oh. So, so if you can't, if you don't have visibility on your target and you choose an, an area where you throw it about six inches away and they're going to be within the radius, you have to add one to your dice. So normally on a four up, um, for you, you roll a dice for each, um, each enemy within the radius. And on a four up, they can't do Overwatch or guard actions, right? Okay. Um, minus one if you don't have vision on them. Kind of interesting, especially on teams like Intercession, where you're worried about um, um, what's it called? Meticulous? No, methodical. Um, yeah, they get like a bunch of guard actions. Like yeah, guard, right? All those guys yeah. that are taking their whole team is built to like, oh, I don't take penalties on Overwatch. And you just say, exactly. no Overwatch. You could just tell them, it's like, okay, no penalty, but no Overwatch, right? Um, okay. But it's a 50% chance at best. More often than not, if you're moving to throw a decoy grenade, you're probably going to be just shot in response from the guard action. <laughs> so more relevant to Overwatch, where you can just run up to someone and just go like, nah. But um, if you're trying to ricochet around, it's a 33% chance to make sure you're not just shot. Um, but... Um, I, I see if you want to take it, I probably would put it on a normal guy. So you're not risking, <laughs> risking one of your fancy guys from uh, getting busted, but you could also give a crack grenade to your normal guy as well. So hard, hard. It, it's interesting. 
I thought it was cute, um, especially because they're coming out into the dark and one of the main mechanics of Into the Dark, they can kind of pick it apart. Um, yeah, that is the uh, car skins, the caster skins. Uh, I like them. I think they're very fun. I don't think they're broken. I think I kind of like, I, I would like faith points to just become this. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Me too. I like the yeah. lower floor too. I, I like yeah. like this. Sounds like a team I could take to a tournament and not be just super exhausted by mm-hmm. you know round eight or whatever. Like they absolutely two, round yep. three, whatever. It's like oh my god, you know some of these teams. It's just too much. And these sound like a sweet spot between teeth, but playable. Absolutely, hundred percent agree. Yeah. I like them. I like the tools um, too. I'll probably build them as grack guard eventually. Okay. I promised myself. I promised myself that I need to get rid of my pile of gray before I build any more kill teams. So okay. um, probably Grot Guard won't be happening for a while, but um, we'll see. We'll see. Um, so that is it for the Casterkins. Um, any final comments before you tell me all about your robots? Nope. Ready to go. I'll Late try and be bud. quick. All right. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, so let's talk about some Necron sandwiches. So this team is a complete reimagining and a very different way that we've seen Necrons presented thus far. So mm. normally nameless, faceless, you know, army of undead coming towards you, just, you know, here, here they are, whatever, anonymous dead guys. Um, but this is a scientist. Okay. One mm-hmm. of the three variants called a cryptek that is going out and he is trying to achieve his own means. This is something that may be in direct opposition to another dynasty, or it could be something that, uh, you know, is of his own kind of a thing that benefits nobody but himself. Maybe he's just studying something for his own satisfaction. Who knows? You know, these are people that they might not even be sane, right? Or I guess they're not people. These are Necrons that may not even be sane, highly intelligent and out there pursuing something. So that is the cryptic. And so your your kill team is now the cryptic and his handpicked retinue. It's an eight man team. And I'm going to explain things in a weird way normally i agree 100 with what you did um where it's like you're going to talk <laughs> about the heart of the cards and then work down this one it felt to me that i understood it better once i really dived into the people and then went back to okay okay yeah. here's what it is but like we talked about you know by the time people are seeing this there's going to be uh a lot of things talking about individual stat lines and what's better and this and that blah 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 so i'm sure. trying to focus like we talked about in the intro on the bread so cryptech first Mm-hmm. All cryptex have fly. You have three options: technomancer, um, crypto guy, whatever he's uh, chronomancer. That's mm-hmm. the thing, and then uh, Mister Fear, uh, psychomancer. Yeah. Uh, anyone who was bamboozled into Pariah Nexus will probably have one of these guys sitting in a pile. The Jay Leno, yeah. as I refer to him, the uh, chronomancer. <laughs> yes, all of these are kind of Jay Leno-y. They all have their 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 little crazy beard goatee <laughs> thing going on. But uh, so the cryptech is your your boss basically. He's uh, all, and and these are very special. So what does what does cryptech have in common? They all have fly. All cryptechs have an ability called magnification conduit. So what this is, you have a model called the apprentech. You can shoot with your cryptech using LOS from the apprentech. And if you do this, you now get that gene stealer cult esque reroll any facings buff, basically. So like you roll a bunch of Whoa. twos, you can say, I want to reroll twos, boom. So you actually get better by mirroring through his his little lieutenant, basically, the the apprentech. That's um, nutty. So it's it's very special. We'll talk more about him because there's there's some really kind of cool things going on. All cryptex have something called command. 
So it's a mission action, basically, or not a mission action. It's a unique action. Um, you choose a model within six inches of Cryptech or another model we'll talk about in a moment, the Despotech. Um, and you can immediately do a free fight, Overwatch, pickup, or one AP mission action. So no, as part okay. of his mission action, he telepathically tells somebody to do something and then they go do it outside of sequence. So this guy could have already done something. He could have run up the board and all kinds of crazy stuff. And then he tells him, go again. And whose APL is used? It's going to be the Cryptex because he is paying. This is part of his go. He's now saying one of my APL is going to ship across the board or whatever. You know, um, somebody within six inches, I guess, isn't across the board. But <laughs> somebody, right? And uh, they're going to go do something special right now, even if and then, after they. And then his minion still has full agency if they haven't activated yet. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. It's very special. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all Cryptex have unique Cryptex actions. This is key, guys. Ears up. These are things that are unique to the specific type of Cryptex that you've taken. Again, we have three types, but here's, here's basically the gist of it. Each has three abilities. You pick two of those three when you put that model on your roster. So all of a sudden, we're back to roster matters. You know, um, mm. might be tailoring abilities and things like that special to a matchup and need to bring this guy in for something. And I do see a case for all three of these. And you're only taking one of these guys, right? This is At like your leader option. Okay. Exactly. So it, it's almost like building a sorcerer for warp coven, mm -hmm. except simpler. And you only right. have one of these complex ones to to manage at a time, correct? Yeah, and you can have duplicates on the roster. Like, oh, of say, course. Yeah. you know, you like option one and two on this guy, and one and three on this guy. You can have those both in there and be ready to go. But just so we're clear, it must be put on the roster. Um, so let's talk about three quick things of bread because I know this is already getting long. I'm going to give you one thing for each of the cryptex. Okay, so the Chronomancer bread, he has the ability if you wanted to, for one of his things, to add three inches to a friendly model. He is a friendly model. Mm. So three inches of movement stacked on him would make 11-inch charges. Again, all of these have fly. So Whoa. it's pretty crazy. You know, you could do a game one dash on shortboard deployment or a, a scouting phase dash and then have an 11-inch charge from that. So you're at a 14-inch threat range round one. If somebody wants to come in and, and you know, come to something spicy, extremely scary. Uh, 15 inches technically because you need to get within one inch right to be a charge yeah and when you're um long edge deployment 22 inch boards <laughs> right three inch dz to get oh my goodness it was like three inches out here. from three inch dz right your your, and your door at your door dash is here <laughs> right these all have three apl and they all have range and melee so it's like oh my god so spicy so that's wow. some chronomancer bread for you there's some Psychomancer bread. Check this out, Emmanuel. You can make models injured, or counting as injured, excuse me, that say no matter what, they cannot be injured. So this is, you, you look at a model that says, mm -hmm. I cannot be injured no matter what. And this guy says, I can injure you, even if it says you cannot be injured no matter what. It's like, it's like... what? <laughs> what? This kind it's... of stuff just blows my brain apart. It's it's like this arms race of you yes. nah, no takesies backsies oh no no right. triple stamp it it's like oh no triple stamp it no erases <laughs> right it's just like oh my god you know just like 
what? Uh, uh, so I don't know. That, I this just it. blew my brain apart. It's a paradox, you know. Um, but moving on, Technomancer's. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, Technomancer's bread. Uh, I would say is you have another chance at reanimate with him, which we'll get into in a minute. Which is basically a one CP ploy that doesn't count as the ploy. So basically, in Compendium Necrons, the way it worked is a guy died. You would put a token down. You'd pay one mm -hmm. CP to do that. You can only do it one time per round. And then you'd roll to try and take them back. Or no, excuse me, zero CP now post FAQ. Now you have the you still have a tactic for that, but this guy, if you took him as your thing, could be another chance at that. So you could be putting multiple tokens down now. And again, we talked about a print tech being able to use these guys' options. Mm -hmm. So that could be another thing there, you know, if they haven't done it yet, uh, something like that. So it spreads it out across the field. You've said it about four times now. I love a print tech. I love that that's the name, a print tech. It, it's yeah. borderline orky in its nomenclature where you <laughs> throw like the flavor into an English word and you're like, ah, now it's a Necron word. Uh, right. <laughs> a print tech. Uh, yes. Anyway, sorry. I, you've said it a few times and every time I hear it, I was like, oh, I, that makes me happy. So I just wanted to call that out. Anyway, sorry to derail. Go ahead. No, no, it doesn't derail at all. Let's talk about him because uh, okay. I mean, Printek is basically a mini Cryptek. Like I talked about, he can do Cryptek abilities your big guy has for that game if they haven't done it this round. So that's where some of this like, oh, you know, uh, any of that bread that we just talked about with your Cryptek, you have that on another model potentially if there's somewhere else on the board where that would be better suited. So the toolboxiness of these starts to get insane. Um, hmm. it's just really, really interesting, really big, in my opinion. The Apprentech, unlike his big daddy, doesn't have fly. He didn't learn that in his million-year-long apprenticeship <laughs> just yet. Um, but, you know, uh, it's just, like I said, really big because things like that Technomancer reanimate, something like that can be spread across. And again, you can shoot as if it's this guy shooting using somebody else's, uh, you know, your, your Cryptex APL and weapons and stuff. So this guy is just a force multiplier. And he's optional to take, but man, I, I think you I think you will. One of the things I was gonna say, uh, I was gonna see what you where you leaned on this. I think we kind of need an FAQ on what happens when the cryptech dies, because it mm. specifically says you can do stuff. Your cryptech knows what happens if cryptech's dead. So it, I mean, it seems like okay, if the dude's dead, you wouldn't be channeling. But it's also this is a guy who's been this lieutenant for a million years. Maybe he knows what boss does by now. Mm, so that's interesting. It doesn't seem as though the kill prevents him from doing it. Mm. We'll maybe have to do an update on that. You know, I was going to see mm -hmm, maybe mm -hmm. if we had more time, we'd go into a little discussion on that. But sure. it's just like, mm, think about that, guys. Drop us a line in the in the show the show note thing where we where we ask you questions or whatever. Mm -hmm. Tell us what you think. Look at that rule when you get a chance. Um, but let's move on now to the immortal despotech. This is another kind of like lieutenant in here. Think about an immortal. That's mm -hmm. kind of like an immortal sergeant, basically. Okay. Um, he can buff death marks or immortals, which you get to take kind of as your troopers in this. You get a death mark, which is your sniper, your immortal, which is like your ground troop. Mm -hmm. um, what he does is it's a one CP reroll strat that doesn't cost the CP. He just says, you know what? Once per game, when a guy's activating and doing this thing, you can use, or once per round, when a guy's activating, doing this thing, you can do that ploy without paying the CP for it. Interesting. Okay. So let's talk about some bread on that really quickly. Let's say that uh, if this guy already went, he's done his activation, he's at zero CP. What a lot of people wouldn't realize that you can still do that 
minus one CP to do his thing action because it's passive. This is a passive kind of a thing, and you're allowed to modify to plus minus one and end the round at a negative to start mm -hmm. next round at a negative. Something that I see a lot of times with mm. um, people not doing saves on like a medic when they could mm -hmm. have. This is mm -hmm. a similar thing because they're mm -hmm. like, oh, my medic's already went. He has zero CP. It's like, no, you can still do it. Start the round you, with one CP. Not CP, you mean AP. AP. Zero APL. Yeah. Right. So that's interesting. A, I like that. That that's super applicable, bread to so many factions, like you're saying, in the in the Kashikans right. too. Yeah. So it's just you know all that would happen is it'd be within that round you would start with one less APL next round, but still have that up your sleeve this round mm -hmm. if you needed mm -hmm. to. And he's already gone. Uh, you have two pets. These are not optional. You must take the pets on this team. These are called plasma sites. You have two flavors of them. You have the Plasmacyte Accelerator, which can give plus one APL. He's your comms in this, okay. uh, in this uh, faction. Um, it's interesting with what we just discussed with the Despotech or things that, you know, uh, take a minus one and start the round that way because it solves that problem. You could, mm -hmm. instead of buffing a guy to three or your Cryptech to four, do what we just talked about with that bread and pump a guy right back up to where he's good to go baseline, you know, uh, back, back at normal. So okay. that's a thing. But I mean, just like huge buff to move and dash on a Necron. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and have speed racer Necrons. APL four Cryptex with 11 inch moves and uh, APL to dash after with these guys. What? I mean, do a Cryptek action, shoot. It's just, it's just crazy. Um, and then you have, oh, go for it. Um, you, you mentioned move dashing for Necrons. Um, the 11 inch and all that kind of stuff, it makes me assume that the, um, the big boss guy has a three circle or six inch move. Do they all yeah. have six inch move now? Or do the smaller guys like the immortals and the, um, and the, um, oh my, not Archeotech, um, a Um, do they also have six inch moves? So your, um, two little pets, your uh -huh. Cryptech and uh -huh. your Apprentech all have six inch moves. Okay. The basic guys have four inch moves that you can buff with a CP, which we'll talk about in a moment. Okay. Okay. Cool. So you can buff that to six as long as they have an engage order. You're good. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, so now we'll talk about the other pet, the Plasmacyte Reanimator. Mm -hmm. Guess what, guys? Remember that thing that you could only do one of in the last last mm -hmm. edition of this Necrons or these uh, the the Compendium version? This is Boy, another guy. <laughs> yeah. This is another guy. Uh, that basically what it is, is if a friend dies within six inches, he can say, nope, let's put a token down. doesn't cost you a CP to do that. Uh, okay. So it's another chance at this. Uh, wow. So, These guys yeah. are going to be hard to get rid of. Yes. So what's interesting here, talk about some bread on the reanimator. It's not six inches invisible. It's just within six inches. And it's the same okay. thing with things like the Despotech, Rhea, like the starting next round, able to do this from zero APL, blah, blah, blah. So coming yeah. coming back to that. So the only thing that would block that would be um, into the dark balls. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Good point. Yes, that would be very, very sad. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, death marks or immortals. That's what we take in next. It's the rest of your mix to flesh out the rest of your team and bring you up to the eight. Um, mm -hmm. Technically, you don't have to take the Apprentech, but pets, like I said, must be taken rules as written. So you got to decide, Apprentech or not, Deathmarks or Immortals or Mix, right? Mm -hmm. um, the Apprentech has more base movement than Immortals, as we just talked about. It has worse BS slightly and less ranged damage. Mm -hmm. So, you know, less good in melee, less good at shooting, stuff like that. But he has that ability to do 
LOS for the Apprentech, which then gives a buff to his shooting. Um, mm-hmm. He also helps with two tack ops, which we'll talk about in a moment, which if you guys are taking notes and want to write this down now, it's unyielding, ancients, and worthy of study. Interesting thing on the death marks. A lot of, you know, when these first came out, um, some buddies were kind of like, eh, I don't know about these guys. I do think re- uh, a death mark is really interesting because what we'll talk about in a moment, you can deep strike one of these Ooh. in a game. And it could be for like warping to a center point and a tag, something like that. Uh, it costs a CP to deploy him this way. He won't be shooting for moment, you know, uh, for things we'll talk about in just a moment. When you deploy him this way, because what happens is when you drop him down, it counts as a normal move, mm-hmm. but he has a heavy weapon. Mm-hmm. So when Turney comes down like this, he's not shooting legally, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but it still has utility because you can warp mm-hmm. onto this hard point tag and say, come get him. And you've got guys looking and pointing at this area that now you decided to become spicy. Just really, really interesting. Um, I don't think he's dead on arrival, which I think is going to be a hot take uh, assumption when people come in because people are Timmy's. They come in and they're like, whoa, uh, turn one. I want to drop down and I want to snipe and I want to do it from conceal. And I want to, it's like, they want too much and they're, they're missing. I think uh, they're going to miss the utility of this, of coming Mm -hmm. down, snaking Mm -hmm. a point and then it's yours. And guess what? If they kill him off that, he can come back next round. And to be fair, um, being able to deep strike these guys is so necessary because otherwise they wouldn't be able to shuffle up to a vantage point, turning point one anyway, right? Just yeah. because of their speed. So um, even if that, even if the Timmy is what you want, the deep strike yeah. is super important to make sure that you can actually do that. But you're gonna have to do a turning point too. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm likely uh, just like TLDR on here is I'm likely gonna field at least one in most games, especially Luke mm. Salvage. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Really interesting stuff there. They hit on twos. They've got that sniper rifle. There's a strat we'll talk about in a moment to where next turn, if you wanted to, once you get them in position, you can flip to engage as normal, do your shot as Uh normal, and then pay one AP to flip back to conceal. So even though this isn't silent, there's a once per game thing you can Mm -hmm. do one round of the game where your death marks get kind of wonky with that. So very interesting. interesting. I like that idea. I like that idea with loot, loot and salvage, because... They teleport in, counts as a normal move, but they can still do mission actions. So you can teleport in and then loot something that you wouldn't have been able to reach that your opponent wasn't counting on you being able to reach. And then, uh uh-oh, you just got ahead on turning point one. And even if they kill him, they have to worry about him coming back. Yeah, you can drop down conceal in cover. So you're taking retains. They got to be on a vantage point to even shoot at you. Loot a point right there. And then you got a guy with BS2 on that point that if they kill, comes right back. Uh, mm-hmm. potentially on a 3F, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about in just a moment. So reanimation. Yeah. Let's talk yeah. about this. This is the heart of the cards of this this team. Necrons can only attempt reanimation if an ability allows the attempt. This isn't last edition where every guy that dies comes back on a 6 on the injury roll, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. It's got to be the first time a Necron dies. Okay. So you guy dies. If you're not able to do this for some reason, with you're out of CP or you're not in range of one of your dudes, something like that, you're SOL. So you've mm. got to think about this stuff, where the spiciness is going to happen and be set up to be able to take advantage of this and, or make an de- executive decision. Maybe it's not important on this guy. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. he already served his purpose, but mm-hmm. it's something to keep in mind. Um, there are four ways to get reanimation tokens on this board. So you have a CP tactic, just says, you know, look, when this guy dies, pay a CP, put a token where he is. Next round, you try and you roll three, four, five, or six, he comes back. The Technomancer, uh, has a cryptech action. This is one of your cryptechs, one of your big bosses. 
one of his things is that one of his APL, he can spin that on immediately allowing a buddy to to put a token down when that when that guy dies. Hmm. The plasma site reanimator, as we talked about, has it. Mm-hmm. Or you could do it with your Apprentech if you are also running Technomancer and Technomancer has the ability and has not done it yet. So mm-hmm. there's four potential things, three within one round that you can do. That's a uh, lot. But Right. But there's also the living metal rule. So Necrons regain two wounds or one if it's a plasma site at the mm-hmm. start of each round. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're not only coming back from the dead, but they're healing. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is that rules as written, this looks like it's potentially before reanimate now. The way it was before, I played people compendium. Maybe I didn't look hard enough, but they would reanimate and then do this living metal rule and all of a sudden have five wounds back on their guy that was just dead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is going to be limited to three, it sounds like, because, and it's a D3. So mm. Necrons regaining two wounds, start of the round, and then you roll for your reanimate tokens is how I think it works. Rules is written. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's talk about TAC Ops. Um, there are base archetypes, Recon or Security, which Vantage is OMG on this. You've got three models that can fly. You've got mm-hmm. a guy, it's your Cryptech, who can go to up to four APL. Um, it's just like GG. I love that that mm-hmm. tack up these guys. And um, you got uh, death marks like a deep strike. Exactly right. Yeah. So they can at least get onto that point, and then next round, boom, mm-hmm. they're they're up there with two. If you didn't, if you wanted to forego shooting, mm-hmm. um, you know, because it's a two APL action. So yeah, kind of, kind of. Or you know. can give them an extra APL. That's right. Mm-hmm. You could do that. I didn't think of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's talk about the faction bespoke. You have unyielding agent, ancients, not agents, mm-hmm. unyielding ancients, be within six inches of the center or enemy DZ with three non-plasma sites at the end of the battle. Kind of sounds like a lot. If one is a crypt tech or a print tech, it's two points. So when you're ending oh. the game, yes. So it's, it's an interesting jackpot objective. What's interesting is they gave you multiple options for the center or enemy DZ. Yeah. So it's not one or the other is how I understand it. Yeah, it sounds no, like I was any about to say, up. yeah, it's a combination of the two. Yeah, which is which is not unreasonable to do, um, especially when two of your big guys actually cost two. And I like that, unlike the um, breachers, it's end of the battle, not end of turning point four. So right. if you have to dice down early, you can still get it. Absolutely. Uh, it, the fact that it's a jackpot all or nothing does have the spidey sense up, um, but there is potential bread here. It could stack with signal beacon, which is again, in the same archetype mm. as vantage. Yeah. So yeah. it could be an interesting thing there. Cause it's like, okay, I got to be within your DZ anyway. Boom. You've got these guys with 11 inch move and fly if you need it um, with a dash also. Uh, and then, you know, Hey, if he was buffed to, to some APL or something, you end around there, drop a token, whatever the hell. And it could be like a four point swing end of the game which is very interesting in tourney games um you know with things coming back from quarantine and people playing a little bit slower sometimes mm-hmm, just like mm-hmm. boom you could get way across that board and do that potentially right sounds right. sounds interesting uh the other option they have is called unearth artifice place tokens right outside your dz <laughs> just, just right outside your dz no specifications place a token if you hold any at the end of the battle round or any at the end of any battle round, if you hold them, you'll score one. Um, end of battle is an, another one. Huh. So it's bounty hunter without a kill. 
seven inches from your DZ with flying guys on your team, yes, please. A++++. plus plus plus. I do like that. I think that's very viable tack up. And then we have worthy of study. Pick two enemy models, turn one or turn two. So you can wait till stuff's died and stuff's already moved out of the board. Very interesting here because it's <laughs> there's there's some stuff there with other ways that this has been done that is not as competitive. Pick two guys, turn one or turn two, your enemy side. Your opponent picks one of these. He now has a bounty token, basically. If you can control it and be within six inches of that token with a cryptek. Yep. Oh, I was... Uh, I. He, Chris Tommy got really excited. It's like, it's finally a better way to do a bounty because you say, choose one of these guys. So you're not giving your vet guard opponent the option just to choose a normal trooper that they're going to hide in the back line. You can choose right. two people you know have to come out to do their job, like their demo trooper, what have you. I, yeah. I love that. I love that. And I love how it says turn one or turn two. So mm -hmm. it can be guys that have already moved out. Mm -hmm. And you say, okay, mm -hmm. these two that are on the points right now, pick one of those. That becomes my priority target basically for this. I like this, this a lot. But it's kind of weird because you have to control it and be within six inches of that with an Apprentech or a Cryptech. Mm -hmm. So if it's the cryptic or a print tech that controls it, you're automatically good. Or you can have a buddy that has it and you're within six inches of him with one of these models. Mm. So it's a okay. interesting thing, but I think viable. Um, yeah. And the too long didn't read, I think is that my attempts and my first comps with these, uh, especially if it's free choice, I'd be taking unearth artifice, Vantage, Plant Signal Beacon, and Unyielding Agents. That's four good picks. There's some interaction and stacks there, like we talked about with Signal Beacon and being in their DZ already for another one and stuff like that. I like it. So that's how you win. You're taking four secondaries. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be my deck, right? I, I, I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving I'm you a hard time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the way you said it just was really funny to my ears. It's just like, like wait this a is minute. my four secondaries. Like, huh? Interesting. I didn't. Right. Where is that in the rule book? Match play. Why is he Chris only can take an additional points. secondary. Chris yeah. knows which Chris it is. Yeah. You and Bakchi. Why is he scoring so uh, so low for having four <laughs> secondaries? Jesus. That's funny. Um, but no. Uh, let's talk about uh, strat ploys really quickly. Uh, you yeah. have relentless onslaught, which is rerolling a shooting, reroll shooting at close targets. Basically, if somebody's within six inches, you get a buff to your shooting. Um, okay. You have intractable march, which is what we talked about. Your death mark or immortal can uh, get plus two inch movement. Must have an engage order. Me likey. You know, you're back to a six inch move. So it's um, do they have to have an engage order at the time that you're playing the strat ploy, or if they're concealed, you flip to engage? That's okay. Good. Yeah, it just says, you know, when this when you're making a move with this model, if he has six inches, or if he's has an engage order, he'll, he or she will be good to go. You have uh, Undying Androids. Uh, you get basically auto-retains versus shooting without cover. So it's like okay. carrying cover with you. Leans into that durability, you know, thing that you've got going on. Really, really interesting. I like it. It's nice. Uh, the bread here is that uh, you could stack this with Living Metal and Reanimate. You know, it's the durability mm -hmm. just starts to get kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. Um and then you have like the Technomancer has a repairability giving plus one wound when you do your living metal thing. So now a guy could regain three and mm. then you have the repair. So it's just like, oof, very hard to kill Yeah, uh, when you start stacking some of these. Then you have dimensional concealment. Um, it's one time per game, but like I talked about, your marks can go concealed for one APL that round. It's a, it's an action they, they learn basically temporarily. 
Um, but so I'm thinking with that round two would be spicy for pseudo silent. So you get to position round yeah. one or round two, round two or round three, you just uh, you have the I can shoot you, but you can't shoot me shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, did I talk about strategic ploys? No, that was strategic ploys. Now we're on to mm-hmm. tactoids. Uh, dimensional ta- translocation. This is done in deployment. You would pay this, and that's when you put your death mark into reserves. Mm-hmm. To come down on the battlefield, just not within six inches of enemy DZ or an enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, we have leech power. Very interesting. You can borrow one APL from an operative within six inches and dump onto a cryptech. So cryptech. Oh like, no, nope, kidding! I'm going to take a little bit of your energy right now and, and you know do that. Oh, so like there's a that. couple of ways to do shenanigans with APL. It's a reverse comms. Right. It's like, no, g- give me that. You know, it's a, it's a bully. It's not <laughs> comms, it's right. a big bully. Uh, you have cortical subjugation, which is save your protocols on a cryptech. Basically, you can, if a guy's within two inches and somebody shoots at your cryptech, you can say, no, the wound goes on him. You're shooting on him instead. Okay. So with some of these durability things all coming back, like this guy starts to get kind of bossy. Like he's almost nice keeping like a plasma site close. Yeah. Like these guys can be kind of terrifying. Dude, that's so right. I mean, plasma site mm-hmm. giving plus one APL or um, doing a reanimate thing right there, or you can just ship it off onto him. Mm-hmm. I didn't think of that. That's mm-hmm. spicy. Okay. Uh, now we have commence reanimation, which is the one we talked about where it gives you your one token for reanimate one time per round. Um, but yeah, no double dipsies. Must be the first time that a guy dies uh, in mm-hmm. the game. Uh, but yeah, somebody dies. You say, I'm going to put a token down one cp now at the start of every round you roll a d6 on a three up if you succeed they come back and uh, we go into the living metal shenanigans and whatnot as we talked about so talk about equipment really quick you have uh just some standouts here we have devourer nanoscarabs hey it's a grenade that's not called a grenade what it's basically <laughs> you're in range of somebody all these little metal insects come out of you and swarm somebody and they go ah no mm-hmm. get to live out your uh, mummy fantasies if you watch that movie oh no <laughs> um you have uh phase oculars which is a buff to your death mark shooting let's say you uh rolled and you're hitting on twos hey pretty good right but let's say you rolled no crits you can change one of your any dice i think to a crit i don't even think it has to be a hit i think it's just a dice gets changed to a crit with this interesting so Pretty interesting. Could be wrong on that. Double check me. But, uh, you know, we're, we're moving along here because the episode's getting long. So, uh, But uh, <laughs> it's spicy because you still have the Despotech potentially that's letting them have a re-roll as well. Yeah. You know, uh, so really interesting. Um, you have something called Reanimites, which is equipment. Four up FNP. What could what? we do with this? Right? Like, you could put that on the Apprentech and just march them forward. And it's like now you have a second Cryptech, basically. It's able to do all the Cryptech right. stuff. And it's like, I got a four up FMP and I can reanimate and this stuff. When I come back, I'm still going to have my equipment. So you got to yeah. do four up FMP one more time, you know, get through all these again. Wow. Um, super crazy. Uh, and then you have phase shifter. You can put all these on the same guy, by the way, four up invulm. <laughs> so now you have four up invulm, four up FNP, just like 50% of wounds do not apply. Uh, there's the thing like we talked about where you're taking auto retain saves out in the open. And, and all this is like before reanimates and you could have the technomancer that's like healing you it's able to repair like 2d3 or like wow. you come back with extra wounds and stuff like that so it's just like wow. oh my god and oh by the way if you have the technomancer doing that you have the apprentice that can do all that yeah so it starts to go nuts so tldr it's all useful a lot of these are three ep picks though um so you know your mileage may vary uh but i think that there's 
pretty much everything here I, I would see an application for, especially once you get a lot of time into these. These are a toolbox team. Um, it's Hero Hammer. It's a complete revamp of how I've ever seen Necrons done. Like these are, yeah. this is a character and his handpicked retinue, which is just so cool. And he's out there achieving his own aims, like separate mm -hmm. to the dynasty and everything. Like this guy is a like literally like we use the term boss as in like a chad or whatever but no this yeah. is a boss like yeah. when you're going against this as a kill team this is a boss fight like you have th this is a stage boss like big time um i i want you to build one. these necrons because i want to play against them dude i'm i'm so hyped i want to build these yeah. so bad uh yeah so Super hyped. I love all the Cryptex. I, I love everything here. Like I, I see a use for everything. I like the death marks, even though they've been kind of poo-pooed a tiny bit. I hope that you give them a shot because there's some it's utility. Like these guys are good on points. Like that's mm -hmm. the thing. Mm -hmm. You can warp out and like with fly, get points, get points. You drop down, get points. And it's like, whoop, you know, get to their DZ, drop two things, boom, four points. Like at the end of the game, just like they're so cool like i love the tricksiness of these and the flexibility of these so with that i hope you enjoyed it my name's chris i'm on, also known as beernid on youtube and uh try and help me with more games on there hopefully you like the videos and i've been emmanuel uh you can find me on my instagram at eman.paints and you can find me and my buddy alex on youtube at strategic advantage thanks for listening Thanks for listening to the Kill Zone Podcast. Your home for real talk for competitive kill team. Brought to you by the Frontline Gaming Network. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.